It's time for another hour of Reflections of Grace Outreach Ministries, Thursday weekly discussion with Thomas and Denise. We are the walkers, inspiring souls and removing the mask through the word of God. Join us as we discuss biblical topics with a life applicable approach. We talk about biblical topics such as marriage, purpose, loneliness, family, salvation, forgiveness, holiness, and so much more. We also have inspirational books and poetry that we expound on during our weekly program. You can subscribe to us on our YouTube channel at Reflections of Grace Outreach Ministries and join our Anchor Podcast channel. And now join us for another enjoyable evening. God bless. Good afternoon and good evening, everyone. I thank you for joining today. This is Reflections of Grace Outreach Ministries uh, weekly discussion. My name is uh, Elder Thomas Walker and my wife, uh, Minister Denise, she is on assignment. But we are here today and we pray that she continues to do the work for the Lord. But I'm here today to talk about this week's journey for everyone. Uh, as you know, this week is the, the Passover week and leading up to uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection day that all Christians celebrate um, this coming Sunday. But what I want to talk about is the, the date that uh, we are going to talk about is the Passover um, and how the Passover of the Old Testament relates to uh, the New Testament Passover or the, the coming uh, crucifixion of Jesus Christ on Calvary. Um, I know a lot of people have questions about the date and exact times that these events happen, which is, is a, a good um, summation. There's a good reason to kind of question the exact date and times because a lot of people and archaeologists and uh, people in the world, they want to know when did these actual events actually did happen. However, those events are recorded. They are recorded on by Josephus and by some other uh, Hebrew and Greek scholars in the world that um, confirm that these events did happen. So as opposed to this being something that we have to estimate or guesstimate what days and what time these things happen, we should be okay with um, the fact that we are celebrating um, the life and, and death and resurrection of Jesus, um, even in any calendar reference. So tonight we want to talk about the Passover and Jesus and what the Lord laid on my heart to, to talk about is just how both of them are relevant for today's Christians. Both of them are relevant for today's society and how it is important for each of us to um, reflect on it. And the Bible wants us to um, continue to acknowledge the Passover, continue to understand the significance of it, both for the Old Testament uh, believers and followers of God and the New Testament saints and the Christian believers. So with that being said, I'm going to uh, stop with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for another day. We thank you, Lord, that all things have worked together for good because we love you, Father. We ask you, Lord, to continue to strengthen us as we move forward, continue to elevate our heart and our minds to be more like you, to desire to learn more about what the significance of your word and how it teaches us and how it relates to us in a life applicable way. We bless your name, Heavenly Father, that you have been so good to us. We ask you, Lord, that all those that are on the, uh, on the line today, all those that are listening in, we ask you, Lord, to bless you, bless them, Lord, to reveal yourself in their lives so that they could come to know you as their savior. 
We love you and we bless your name, Father. We give you all the honor, glory, and praise. This we ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, commonalities between the Old Testament and the New Testament is without a doubt Jesus. The reason why this can be said is the fact that God loved both the chosen people of the Old Testament and the New Testament Jewish people because God was willing to make a blood covenant with his people. Some may argue that the smearing of a pure unblemished lamb does not equate to the blood loss of the Son of God. But actions and events are very similar as the Old Testament reveals the mercy of God through obedience and sacrifice of the pure lamb and the obedience with smearing the blood on the doorpost and door of the houses of the called out ones. We today are the New Testament called out ones of God. We continue to love us. He continued to love us so much that the redemptive plan was already in place to reconcile and set us captives free from the oppression and influences of sin and evil. You know, Jesus also proclaimed this in the temple when he read the scroll of Isaiah scripture that said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and the opening of the prisons to those who were bound. Now, this was found in Isaiah 61st chapter in the first verse. You know, understanding the Passover and Jesus is imperative to who we will become as modern day Christians. The Old Testament and New Testament writings reveal that we need to be saved and redeemed from our old mannerisms and customs, just as the children of Israel needed to believe that putting the lamb's blood on the doorposts will save them from the passing death angel. We must believe that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the shedding of his blood on Calvary can proclaim our liberty, heal our broken hearts, and bring good tidings to the poor in spirit. When we accept Jesus as our new passes over, we are accepting the new and old teachings of God that will help us to live a holy and acceptable life in his eyesight. But the only way that, the only way for us to love him in harmony and to live in harmony with God is to accept his blood sacrifice of righteousness as the atonement and salvation. So we must always remember and reverence the sacrifice of God for our lives and pray for mercy and grace that will sustain us in peace and harmony through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. What shall we render to God for all of the times that he has saved us from ourselves? He is sitting at the table of Jesus means that we are feasting on the love and grace that he had extended to us. Now we must keep the actions of grace and love going in our lives to those who didn't deserve it. Because it is just like we didn't at one time in our lives. So we have to remember that the blood never loses its power. And losing its power meaning when we go back to the Old Testament and in Exodus, the 12th chapter, it talks about the Passover and it gives us it gets its origination from the fact that um, there was plagues going on. God had told Pharaoh to let his people go. And we all have seen the movie, the Ten Commandments and how Moses 
i.e. Charlton Heston. You know, everybody believed that he really is Moses, believe it or not. <laughs> but everybody know that he plays such a, a, a dramatic character and he was so believable as Moses that even to date, they believe that he can still play Moses on television that nobody else could play Moses but him. And Charlton Heston, I don't know, uh, he, he's, he's really up there. So um, I don't know if he's still alive or not, but uh, I believed him as a child, as a kid growing up watching the movie. And I remember and most of the depictions on that show was uh, pretty much accurate to what the Bible had uh, had uh, written out. So you can pretty much get a visual effect of, of what the Bible was saying during those times. Although some of the things might have been inflected, but the, the core message of what the Ten Commandments was being portrayed on that movie was pretty good. But it talks about, you'd see Moses, Moses with the white hair, and he was walking up to Pharaoh, and he had his cane, he, he had his rod, and he said, Mo, no, uh, Pharaoh, God says to let my people go. And Pharaoh's heart got hardened. The Bible says that uh, God hardened Pharaoh's heart to, toward everything that came, that, that Moses was telling him. And the reason why God wanted Pharaoh's heart hardened, because God wanted to reveal who he was to all of the other gods that the Egyptians were serving. So you have to understand, back then, there was polytheism going on. And you know what polytheism is? Polytheism is when you serve in multiple gods and multiple deities, and, and you believe that there are many gods. Well, God is what he revealed to Moses to be I am, meaning that he is the one true God, meaning that he is the God Almighty. So God had to prove a point and God had to make himself relevant and show to all others everywhere near and far to and fro that he is God. And that's what I look, look, really enjoyed about that movie, because as a little boy growing up, I was new in, in my faith and didn't really understand the total, uh, what it meant and who God meant in my life. Uh, but seeing it on television kind of brought the scriptures to life and it, it brought, brought meaning to it. I could put a, I'd a, I could put a picture to the scripture. And that was great for me. It, it might be great for some. And I encourage you all, if, if you ever get to a place where you knew in your faith and you knew in your belief to find good Christian scripture, a uh, good, good scripture, uh, reference videos or movies and see if you can follow it along in the Bible as you read it. So that way you could see some of the dynamics of it. I'm not saying that's the only way that you would learn, but some people are visual and sometimes visual uh, adaptations help people put it in perspective. Now back to the, the, the history of the Passover. So each time God told Moses to go tell Pharaoh, let his people go. And each time Pharaoh's heart got harder and harder. So God implemented these plagues on uh, Egypt. And we, of course, we've read what the plagues were. It was 10 plagues. So they went through each one of them. And when they got to the final plague, uh, God said that every firstborn child and beast of a child and firstborn that everything was going to be taken if he didn't let his people go. So Pharaoh's heart was even more harder. <clears throat> but see, what's significant about that is um, the firstborn of the gods <laughs> and the firstborn of the priest people and the, even the firstborn of Pharaoh, Pharaoh would be touched. So the significance of that is, you know, back in those customs, the firstborn child was the, the person that gained the majority of the inheritances or, or, or was considered really special in that family. 
So I know I got a firstborn. I got a sister. She's firstborn. And, you know, she's special, too. (laughs) She's special, too. But in a a good way, in a good way, you know, I'm, I'm the I'm the I'm the only son and she the oldest sister. So, you know, she was special a lot of times for me, you know. <laughs> but that's just a little joke there. You know, like Martin say, that's a little jokey joke. Um, but the firstborn child is a significant um, person in the household. And that firstborn child, you know, from what scientists say, biologists say, you know, has most of the uh, characteristics and DNAs of their family, of their mother and their father when they're born. But uh, God told uh, Noah, I'm sorry, God told Moses to to tell Pharaoh, let his people go, and if not, that, that God would send a deaf angel to visit upon every household and uh, touch each firstborn child or a firstborn person in that household. But God instructed uh, Moses to tell his people to kill an unblemished lamb, which is an unblemished lamb is, is like the lambs that came that were born. Some of them had spots. Some of them had different colors in their coat. Some of them had different uh, patterns or designs of fur uh, or wool on them. So God said for each person in the house of Israel to take an unblemished, that means they had all, everybody had to work together to find the unblemished white lamb. And they had to uh, sacrifice the lamb. And then they had to smear the blood on the doppels. And God said, that way I know you are my people and I would not harm anyone in that household. So, see, Egypt didn't get the memo. The Egyptians didn't get the memo unless they believe in the monotheistic one true God. And so as we see the visual in the movie, we see someone going through the, the, the quarters in the village where the children of Israel uh, people live in the enslaved quarters. So they smeared the, the blood on the doorposts of each of the places. And then they began to close the door and they closed the windows and they stayed in there and they, they had a feast, a feast meaning that they celebrated God during that time. And when they celebrated God during that time, that means they ate and they prepared a meal, and, and they sat, and they, they, they worshiped God during this terrible time. And as they worshiped God, God began to hear their worship. God began to feel their worship as the whole, during the whole time that the, the deaf cloud, the deaf angel was coming through to fulfill what he had said. See, you have to understand, when, when we think about it, that is a, a, a covenant when you think about it. And, I, you know, when you think about the covenant, because it's between two people and it was between God and the children of Israel. It was a blood covenant between them. And when that time came, all that truly believed that God was God and God was the God of their forefathers they put the blood on their wall, on, on their doorposts, and they went inside and, and they began to worship him. So as this was going on, the death was going all through the land, all through the land, the land taking whomever, whomever the firstborn was. It didn't matter whether you was rich, poor, if you was, uh, it didn't matter. They were on their way. And so, I like to kind of bring that relevance to to uh, us today. You know, it was a time two years ago when the, we first heard about the pandemic and the coronavirus and, and how it was devastating 
families. It was devastating uh, people. It, it didn't, it was indiscriminate. It didn't care um, who or, or how the person became infected. One of the news people said, well, oh, well, it's in the water. Then they said, oh, if you touch something, it's on the surface. Then they said, oh, no, it's airborne. And then, then they said, oh, well, well, we don't know what it is. Put a mask on, stay in the house. So they locked everything down. And in that time of lockdown, and we knew that the coronavirus was almost certain to be impending death for most of the people. I'm not going to say all the people that were infected at that time, but no one knew. Everyone knew that outside those walls were something that can legitimately take our lives. So I posed a question to to my wife, I was like, wow, this is something. And then we began to hear on, on, on YouTube all these different uh, conspiracy theories and prophetic theories about it being a deaf angel of God and posing judgment on the land and everybody get right. And God said this was going to happen. And, you know, I, I kind of I believe some of it, most of it, you know, you have to try to spirit by the spirit with it. But anyway, I, you know, my wife, we, we began to look at it in a different way. We began to look at it as similarities to the Passover and just began to take some reference, reference to how the children of Israel prepared themselves during that time. And what did they do when they, when they understood that death was outside their door? What we did, we got into the scriptures and we read about the Passover since everybody was talking about it being a Passover and just the deaf angel is passing and all of these things. So we took a page out of the Bible <laughs> and what we did, we shut up in our house as, as guided by science and guided by the news. And instead of us worrying and instead of us looking at this time, that time as being a time of fear and anguish and depression, what we began to do, we began to praise and worship God through this situation. And what we did, each day we woke up, we got up thinking how good God is. We got up believing that God that you brought us here to did for a purpose. And we began to understand why it was so important for the children of Israel to worship and feast and give praise and thanks to God during an uncertain time. And that strengthened us. That strengthened us knowing that each day that we lived, each day that we got up and and we were not affected by the virus, whether it was airborne or surface or, or wherever it was, you know, it, it didn't harm us. Just like in those uh, Old Testament uh, the, uh, scriptures about the children of Israel and the death angel. So that blood smeared over the doorposts in the Old Testament. But then if we relate it to the New Testament, to who we are as believers, where is our blood at? See, my wife and I, we didn't have an unblemished lamb out in the garage or in the backyard. We didn't have the natural things that we could have sacrificed for God, uh, to God, if, if we had it or if it was mandated. So what we had was we had the, the sacrificial understanding that the blood of Jesus never loses its power. <laughs> right for us in the New Testament. See, the Old Testament, that Passover was relevant because the people had to get out of there and they cried and they wanted God to deliver them from the enslavement of the Egyptians. And it was terrible for them. For so for 400 years or 440 years, I'm not exact with how many years that they were in bondage, um, they suffered. They suffered and generations suffered and generations after them suffered at the cruelty of their enslavement. 
So how many times have we said that our mama and our daddy and our family has suffered down through the years because we didn't have a lot of money or we didn't have uh, opportunity and we didn't have means to do things, you know, and, and they all went to church and they all cried out to God. They always went to uh, Goodwill Baptist Church or Monument of Church of God in Christ and, and uh, an AME or a Lutheran or a Church of God. And they, they did all this service and worship to the Lord, but their lives were still in calamity. They still had situations come up. They still had problems that they had to deal with during those times, you know, but see how the, the history tends to repeat itself. The children of Israel cried out for so many years and even now today or in our history as post-enslaved people, we cry out to God. We have cried out to God for years, for years and years and years for the Lord to make things better for our lives, to make things uh, healthy for us, to deliver us from this poverty, to do all these things. Now, we're going through all these things and we're, we're dealing with this and we see poverty after poverty after poverty, impoverishment and killings and murders and all those things happening to our people. Yet, it's like God didn't hear us, but he was and he has been listening to us the whole time. Now, some people try to, uh, to corroborate that with uh, the coronavirus and say, oh, God heard our cry. Oh, here come the coronavirus. He's cleaning up the land. He's cleaning everybody up. He's making a difference. He's going to deliver us from, from this turmoil and get ready. This is a Bible prophecy coming to truth. Well, they didn't say that in, in any other scriptures that this was going to be something that the, that God had inflict on his, his people and the world a second time. So therefore, it's the, the metaphor of what was going on that we should have grabbed a hold to. Instead of Christians and believers in Christ um, thinking and believing that this was uh, the end times and this was a, a, a call of God on to, to, to war against your enemies, this should have been a time of prayer. This should have been a time of fasting. This should have been a time of reverence. This should have been a time of giving thanks for all the things that God has done for you up to that point two years ago. That way, your, the joy of the Lord would be your strength instead of looking at the news every day, seeing the hundreds of thousands and millions of people dying every day. And then you, you feel depleted in your spirit. Then the hope and the faith that you had, it starts to diminish. Even when they closed up the churches, even when they stopped people from going to church, Excuse me. Everybody thought that it that oh that's our is this our right our civil right to go to church and worship. Yeah, it is your civil right to worship. It's your spiritual right too. But why couldn't you worship at home? Why couldn't home be your church? Why come serving and worshiping God in the sanctity of your own home be enough? <clears throat> I even saw on the news where someone was standing outside in the pandemic just standing there looking at the walls, looking at the building of the church. They were just standing out there saying, we don't know what we're going to do because we can't go into church. We can't go and open up the doors. We can't fellowship. We can't do all those things. We, we, don't, we feel downtrodden. Oh, God has forsaken us. This is the world's doing to stop us from our religious right. Well, the children of Israel, they didn't have a church to go to. They were in their home. They were in their home worshiping and praising God during the Passover, during that time. See how, you know, God has led me to put it on that the, the, the relevance of the Old Testament to the life application of what we went through. It's not so far-fetched to put it in perspective, just like when I saw the Ten Commandments on the video. 
See, we had lived this out, you know, that the deaf quote unquote angel was passing through the land instead of us smearing our hearts and our minds and knowing that the blood of Jesus is there with us. You know, we, we didn't look at it that way. We started to find ways to conform our thinking and, and not renew our minds and our hearts in Christ Jesus to believe that we were chosen, we were called, we were the called out ones of God for the New Testament Christians. Instead, we lost faith, we lost hope, we fell away from the church. And what we did, we fell away from God, we fell away from the teachings of the Bible, and we started to incorporate strange doctrine into our lives. We began to um, look at Harry Potter and some of those other shows that, that you know, promote uh, witchcraft, promote uh, influences of, of, of Spirit, new age spirituality or uh, just learning how to do uh, things that God says is abomination and sin in his eyesight. So instead of us holding on and grabbing a hold to God's unchanging hands and, and learning and understanding and opening up the word of God in the Bible and, and really start to to, to dwell and meditate on these things that God has given us, we turned away from God. And see, that's another part of the, 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 the journey of the children of Israel that is revealed in the Bible is how they turned away from God. Although they knew that God had delivered them, they still turned away from God, even though they saw that the blood of that lamb saved them because they were obedient and they understood that it was what God said. And they believed that what the instructions that were given was from God. Now, we push that forward down through millennia, down to the first century AD, when um, Jesus was born. Jesus was born, uh, virgin birth, Mary. Um, and they lived in Nazareth, and his name was Jesus of Nazareth in the Bible. But the Bible tells us that, uh, that he was going to be the, the Emmanuel, and he was going to be the savior of the world, and his name would be called Jesus, and the whole government would be on his shoulders. And it also... Uh, prophetically foretold uh, his death, that he would be hung on a tree and no bones in him, in, in him would be broken. And it also prophesied that he would raise, be raised from the dead in three days. He even said that himself. He said, I would die, but in three days I'll rise again. Now, you see all of these things. Now, we're talking about Jesus now. Now, this is the Old Testament God that had delivered his called out ones by the smearing of the blood on the doorpost. Now, in the New Testament, you know, the children of Israel still needed deliverance. <laughs> they still needed to be saved because there was no salvation in between there because the children of Israel had done so so uh, offensively in God's eyesight until he stopped talking to them. He exiled them. He put them into captivity again and again. And then he just stopped talking to them. And that's called the years of silence. And you can look it up, the, the years of silence or the intertestamental period uh, in the Bible. And it'll tell you it was uh, 400 or so plus years or 580 years. I'm not sure the correct number, but uh, it's relevant to showing that God had a, he had a limit with how far that he was going to allow the children of Israel to continue to um, disobey him. But in the midst of all of his limits, in the midst of him knowing that he is the God that delivered them from so many things, that, that delivered them from Egypt, that fed them in the wilderness, he still had a plan of salvation, a plan of reconciliation for each 
of the children of Israel and their generations to come. That plan was in, enacted long before this time, since the beginning and the foundation of the world. So we come to Jesus' being born. He was born fully man, and he was born fully divine. So he, in all intents and purposes, in our belief, knowing that he is the son of God, and he came to gave, give his life just as a blood sacrifice as the Old Testament lamb was smeared on the doorpost. But Jesus Christ died for our sins and our, so that we can be reconciled back to God, that we can be covered in the blood of him, in his blood, by his sacrifice of our sins. So it's so it, the relevance of that. And when we think about it, how those two things um, coincide with each other is it's always about the blood. See, the blood is, is life, and the life is, is gives meaning. And when we talk about the New Testament, um, during that time, Jesus, he also um, was an Old Testament scholar. He was an Old Testament reader. He was an Old Testament study student um, from the Jewish customs and the Jewish systems. So you see how the Jesus's upbringing, Jesus's uh, nationality, Jesus's culture was all uh, relevant to the Jewish and and the, the Hebrew and, and, and those customs back then followed all the way to the New Testament. And when Jesus came and he were together witnessing and he was there studying and he was there observing things in the land, it was time for him to start his ministry because he had seen and he had learned and he had understood the customs of his people of that time. And he wanted to come there to proclaim Christ, proclaim salvation. And what that meant, if we go to uh, Isaiah 61 and 1, <clears throat> Excuse me. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prisons to those who are bound. At that moment, Jesus right then and there connected the old Passover to him being the new Passover, because he was destined to die for our sins. And that was the, the relevance and the significance of the Old Testament Passover and the New Testament crucifixion. Well, let's see what the crucifixion comes in here at, because we have to go back to what we call the Last Supper. And the Last Supper was on the Passover day or during the Passover um, week. So now you start to see how everything kind of joins itself together, like what we talked about be, uh, before, uh, that it being divinely orchestrated, divinely guided, um, you know, divine providence, that's the word, divine providence of God was the that the, the Lord's Supper, which Jesus had instructed his disciples, you know, here, take my body. He, he used bread and said, here, eat, this is my body. Then he said, here, drink the wine, this is my blood. And he said, continue to do this. Continue to do this and, and be in, in remembrance of me. So the reason why I'm giving you all this context is because you know, a lot of people want to believe and they want to think that they're celebrating the Passover was created by the Catholic or uh, the Council of Nicaea back in the 300s, but they had to get it from somewhere. They had to get it from uh, the scripture and they were just putting it in place to uh, keep it 
keep it relevant in today's society, today's believers, and today's theology, so that we won't forget Jesus. So, you know, celebrating the Passover is not paganistic. <laughs> and so we, we can't put that in that framework. We have to go through this, the Old Testament scriptures to understand how it relates to us today. The Last Supper is was not paganistic. It was symbolic and it could be uh, allegorical, but it was not paganistic. So Jesus uh, performed the Last Supper with his body and his blood and the bread and the wine, and they did eat. And after that, he went on to be judged, and um, he was betrayed by the Jews at that time. They had a choice to save him. And what they said, if you go to John, the 18th chapter, 39th to the 40th, it says, uh, 39th and 40th verse, when he was at a trial at the Praetorium, that he was in palace court. And it says that because it was the Passover and because that uh, it was a day of feast for the Jews, you know, um, Pilate, he was like, well, you know, we're supposed to get rid of some, we're supposed to set one of the people free. So let us know who you want to set free. Do you want us to set free the king of the Jews, which they meant Jesus? Or do you want us to set Barabbas free? Barabbas was a thief. <laughs> and he, they said that in the Bible too, they said, now Barabbas was a robber. Now, you can see the big dynamics of the differences of what they choose, what they chose, because Barabbas was this popular person. Barabbas was a person that everybody knew as being a robber and a militant and somebody that was going against the Roman system. You know, the people loved him, you know, because he had a big mouth and he was popular and everybody loved him. But Jesus now. On the other hand, Jesus was doing good. Jesus was healing the sick. He was raising the dead. He was performing miracles that no one could understand. Now, the mindset of who the Jewish people were at that time uh, really showed that although they were looking and seeking a Messiah, they wasn't seeking and looking for the spiritual Messiah. They was looking for somebody to deliver them from the hands of the Romans, which they got it all wrong. They got it all wrong. They thought that they was, said that somebody was going to ride in on a horse, you know, and they was going to start slashing people and liberating everyone. But they didn't remember Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, Jesus had already proclaimed that in a temple to the scribes and Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Essenes and all of those that were in the temple. He said that he was come to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons to those who were bound. They didn't, they didn't get that memo. Essentially, they forgot about all the, the biblical prophecies that, that Jesus was fulfilling in that moment. So when it came time for them to make a choice, they chose the robber instead of the redeemer. <laughs> See, that's something, man. Sometimes you could choose the robber instead of the redeemer in our lives today, and we mess ourselves up tremendously. And we have to really be cognizant of the choices that we make, whether it be God or whether it be Barabbas, whether it be Jesus Christ or, or the Redeemer, or whether it be Barabbas the robber. See, our choices have consequences. And that's what happened with the Jewish people. They chose. They chose to free Barabbas and to crucify Jesus. Now, this was all a part of God's plan. Remember, Joseph said, well, God, what you meant for bad, God is going to mean it for good. So this was all a part of the divine revelation. And 
everything that would work out for us. See, and the Bible also tells us um, all things to work together for good to those of us who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. So all things are going to work together for our good. We just have to be aware of the choices. And so Jesus, during the Passover week, he was crucified on the cross and his blood was streaming down and his blood was shed on Calvary's cross for the sins of the world. And the Bible tells us further, they said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed should not perish, but will not perish, but have everlasting life. So we have to understand that Jesus was also identified in the Bible as being the Lamb of God. And this was done by John the Baptist or John the Redeemer. <clears throat> and it says John in the first uh, chapter, in the 29th verse, as it says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> now, there you go. Now, see, the people there, they heard John. John was always proclaiming to, to repent, always telling um, the people to turn away from their wicked ways for the kingdom of God is at hand and to, to, to come from all of that stuff and stop being that way because the Redeemer is on his way. The Redeemer is here. So John was considered by all accounts of purpose by most of them as, <clears throat> as a person that, that was, a, that was a, a crazy religious guy out in the wilderness because he didn't look like he, he was uh, real cognizant of what he wore. He, he, he wore, uh, you know, he didn't care about what he wore, but his words and his proclamation to repent for the kingdom of God, and it was at hand, and behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Those were relevant things, and that right then and there, it placed Jesus of Nazareth in his true divinity as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So his purpose and uh, revelation of his ministry started right there. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So how is that relevant to everything else? It's relevant because now remember Exodus 12, we talked about God telling them to get an unblemished lamb to smear the blood on a doorpost. Now here you have John uh, the Baptist saying, behold the Lamb of God that's gonna take away the sins of the world. Well, when he died on Calvary, after three years of his ministry, his blood took away and his sacrifice and his crucifixion took away the sin of the world. So that's the new Passover that we live up under. We live up under the blood of Jesus. We live under the, the, uh, recon the reconciliation and the salvation of Jesus Christ. And we have to remember that. We have to remember when we come across Passover and we come across uh, the day that they call Easter Sunday. Um, it's not about what people can prove to be pagan and how the Romans and the Julian calendars and, and all of those things that has no relevance on what we feel and think about Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. So the Passover in Jesus is what we should be concentrating on. Every day in our lives should be a Passover. Every day in our lives should be a day of reverence and, and worship and praise to God. No matter what's going on in our lives outside of that, we should always know that our baseline and the, the, the catalyst of who we are is structured and believing 
that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is son of God and God loves us. See, if we can't believe that as Christians, then what are we believing? Because we can't incorporate believing that Jesus died and rose for our sins with witchcraft. We can't incorporate uh, uh, believing that Jesus is the son of God with uh, astrology and numerology and new age thinking and humanism and sadomasochism and, uh, you know, those things. We cannot equate those two things together. God said for us to come from among all of those things and be separate. I mean, our minds and our hearts have to be separated, just as the children of Israel was led into the wilderness and was separated from all of the idols and the worship uh, of the Egyptian worships, the deities of, of their God or whoever they were. You know, they were set out there to get transformed and renewed. And just like we are now standing in a place where our minds and our hearts must be transformed and renewed into believing that Jesus is Lord and Jesus died for our sins and he's our savior. If we don't have that, that one thing, those three things hanging in our hearts and we're guarding in our hearts, then what are we going to church for? What are we reading the Bible for? What are we calling ourselves Christians for if we don't believe the basic, the bare basics of what our faith is? It's not about the church. It's not about going to the building and structure. It's about the belief in our heart. It's about our hearts being connected to the blood to the blood of Jesus, the understanding that his shared blood on that cross have given us a reconcilable atonement to God, back to our creator, where everything matters at that moment, that we are able to just fast, we're able to pray, we're able to seek God for his guidance. And when we seek God for his guidance, we are, we are, hopeful and prayerful that he hears us. But we have to do like the church in Israel. We have to be obedient. We have to understand who he is in our lives. And we have to walk according to his purpose. We can't sit and dilly-dally and sit at home and, and, and believe that going to one structure or another is, is the way to go to heaven. See, the way to go to heaven is understanding that Jesus died for our sins and believe that he is the son of God and believe that he rose with all power in his hands from the third day. And that was connects us to salvation because Jesus came to die for our sins. And when he died for our sins, that means he washed those things away. He cleared our slate with everything that we had done wrong, when we believe, now when we believe that that has happened, when we have a clean slate, now we're able to present ourselves to God because now we are unblemished. Now, I'm not saying we, we won't have a spot or two, but when we're prepared to go back and we are putting ourselves, our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength back into God's will, that means we are trying, we are living a life that's pleasing to God to the point where the things that God says in his word and the Bible, the things that he says in this Bible for us not to do, there it is, then we won't do no more. And that what, that's what helped us not to rebel against God or to disobey God. And that's what sin is. Sin is rebellion. So when we think in terms of all of those, everything that we've talked about today, the, the Passover, uh, unblemished lamb of the Old Testament, the, the sacrificial lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world that John the Baptist related to, the willingness of Jesus to become the willing sacrifice for our sins and the teachings of the apostles afterwards of 
keeping the communion, keeping the Lord's Supper relevant in today's life. And also the early church fathers institutionalizing it to become a part of our everyday church world and our church life and culture. Those are the things that we look at. But 100% from an individual standpoint, we must individually take all of these things to heart. We should take all of these things to heart in our hearts because when we die and we lay down for that last time and take our last breath, it's not going to be the church that's going to be going. It's not going to be uh, this uh, feeling of a rapture or it's not going to be that, that, you know, all of us are going to be caught up. We as individuals are going to be caught up. And it depends on what you believe and depends on how you live, you know, caught up where? Are you going to be caught up to meet Jesus? Or are you going to be caught up as really being caught up <laughs> with, some, with some blemishes? So that's where we come in at, as individuals, as men and women of God. We have to set a course of holiness set a course of righteousness in our minds and our hearts. We can't say that we are, we are divinely ready to meet Jesus when we still speaking in tongues and cursing somebody out with that same tongue. Or we are ready to meet Jesus in the end when we still doing the same thing that people in the world are doing. We, we can't say that because we're, we're blemished in God's eyesight. And God wants us to, to transform and renew our minds and hearts in Christ Jesus. See, everything old and new points to Jesus. Everything old and new points to Jesus. We can't escape that if we are men and women of God to say that we are believers in Jesus and we're not living the way that Jesus and God will be pleased with. Then what was his sacrifice for? Because Jesus lived a, 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 a holy life. His life was without sin. And he was the only one on this earth that were able to do that. That's why we need to be saved. That's why we need a redeemer. That's why we need an advocate in our lives. Because we're gonna, we're gonna make mistakes. We're gonna sin. We're gonna have problems living. We're gonna have problems uh, speaking a tongue and cursing out people at the same time. We're gonna have those issues come up in our lives. But the thing is, we have to repent. We have to refrain from that. We have to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to indwell us to the point where when that instance or situation comes up in our lives, that instead of us cursing, we're going to bless them. We're going to say, God bless you. I didn't like what you said, but I'm going to pray for you anyway. Or when you got relatives that's out, they going to dusty stepper set and, you know, you want to go step two because, you know, you used to be one of the, the ballroom dancers and you used to go really twirl it around and do all that, you know, and look good doing it. But God said, uh, is that going to please me? In your mind, the Holy Spirit is bringing that back to your remembrance. See, and He's saying that. Well, are, 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 are is your testimony going to be helped by you going out there doing that? If someone see you out there dancing and 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 doing all these things, you know, and you say that you're a Christian, is that helping your testimony? Is that helping uh, the message of salvation? Well, we don't know if it's helping the message of salvation, but somebody out there might think that it is not. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's why it's important for every individual to, as Paul says, seek out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling, because we don't want to be caught like the old people said, you didn't caught with your work undone, meaning you don't want to be caught in a situation where you are displeasing God with your walk, with your mannerism, with what you're saying, what you're doing, you want to always be in a way and live in a way that God is pleased with. It's not easy. That's why Jesus said he's going to send us a helper. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our minds and our hearts to keep us balanced 
balance. Meaning in this world, you have so many things that's coming against you, that's trying to take you out of, take you out of that, that, that functionality of being spiritual with God, being connected with God. It started with Adam and Eve in the garden with the serpent, and it continues to go that we are always fighting against spiritual battles, spiritual warfare that's coming up against us to snatch us away from the purpose that God has from us, for us. And that purpose is for us to be reconciled back to him to be saved and redeemed, to have a relationship back with God. And that comes from first building a, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, getting to know his teachings, getting to understand how he walked, how he moved, how he lived on this earth, understanding that his blood never loses his power. His blood never loses his power in our lives. We can, we can turn away from his power. We can do as the old saints say, we can backslide out of his power, but his blood is always there for us to always return to, to repent back to the loving grace of God. So I encourage everyone tonight on this call and that are listening under the sound of my voice to think about the Passover in Jesus. Think about the blood shed for the Old Testament, how it delivered them from their oppression. And think about the blood sacrifice of God's son, Jesus, on the cross to redeem us from our sins. And put it in perspective of, okay, what are we going to do? Are we going to live for God? Are we going to take this seriously, these acts Seriously, for our lives today, are we going to turn and repent and believe that Jesus is, is, is our Savior and walk according to the word of God, the Bible, as it tells us to be ye holy, for I am holy. God wants us to live a holy life, and that doesn't mean the outward appearance like uh, the long skirts and all the, you know, the things like that. That looks good on the outside and it shows everybody else on the outside. Oh, okay, you one of those Christians or you one of those holy people. But on the inside, it's your acts of kindness. It's your character. It's your integrity. It's how you're living and moving and, and having your being in everyday life that you don't allow things to get into your spirit to the point where it causes you to act in, in, in a way that displeases God and taints God's message of love and salvation and grace. So I thank God for every one of you that joined us today. I thank you that you uh, took the time to listen. I pray that you have received something from this about the Passover and Jesus. We know that the Old Testament and New Testament points us and directs us to Jesus. And Jesus is the reconciler for all of us to be reconciled back to God. So when we come to that understanding, nothing is too hard for God to do in our lives. And I encourage you to build a personal relationship with God and understand who Jesus Christ is in this earth and in our lives so that as we move forward, as we read the scriptures, as we read the Bible, we get to know them on a personal level to the point where we don't want to sin against God. We don't want to displease God. We want God to love us because we fell in love with him. And we want us to, to feel safe and secure because the blood of Jesus is smeared on our hearts and the blood of Jesus is smeared in our lives to the point where we are free. We are held free. We are free from uh, the bondage and the oppression and we are healed by the blood of Jesus. So I want to say good night to each and every one of you all. And I love you all. And God bless you all. And I don't want to leave this call without a word of prayer for everyone. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this message. We thank you, Lord, for uh, this discussion on the Passover in Jesus. Lord, you showed us in your words 
so many countless times how your son Jesus died for us, that he loved us so much that he was willing to become the sacrificial lamb for each and every one of us and our sins. Lord, we ask you to look on each heart, each mind today, and reconcile their hearts and minds to to believe and to know that you love them and you care all about them. Now, Lord, as we go on and continue to acknowledge Jesus as, as your son and our personal savior, Lord, give us strength. Send the Holy Spirit as our comforter and teacher to lead us, guide us into all truth that we will not sin against you, that we will not live a life that displeases you. But Lord, give us strength, indwell us with your spirit so that we can live a life that shows and reveals the true testament of faith through grace. We love you and we bless your name. We give you all honor, glory, and praise. We ask you to heal the bodies of those that are sick, those that are in the hospital, those that are in need. We ask you, Lord, to meet the need. And we ask you, Heavenly Father, to uplift the, the hearts of those that are depressed or fa- facing mental illness or don't know where their next meal is coming from. Lord, you told us in your word that you are the Lord, the great provider, Jehovah Yireh, and we believe that. And we stand on your word and stand on in faith that you can do all things but fail. Now, Lord, we ask you to, to watch over each and every one of us. We ask you, Lord, to, to strengthen us. We plead the blood of Jesus over all things. And we bind the works of the enemy, which is Satan, in everyone's lives so that he cannot have a stronghold and not f- try to take anyone out of this world. We bless your name and we thank you. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen, everyone. I pray that you all enjoyed this call. And please feel free to reach out to us at Reflections of Grace Outreach Ministries. And we bless your name and we thank you. We thank you. God knows that we we want to be a blessing to everyone that's on the call, and we love you. So you all have a good and blessed night, and we thank you, and have a good night.